Shalom and welcome, Progressive Revelation and Herbert W. Armstrong and the Worldwide Church of God is what I want to talk to you about today. And have I got a lot for you to look into today? And I hope it's going to be the key that unlocks your walk with Yahweh. Because Progressive Revelation, we have to understand that each generation is held accountable to the revelation revealed to that generation. James says, it is written in the fourth chapter and the 17th verse, to him that knoweth to do good and doth it not, to him it is sin. Now, Herbert W. Armstrong was a man before his time, and he knew to do good, and he did good, and he formed the worldwide church of God, and he reached the nations, meeting with kings and queens and priests and princes. Herbert W. Armstrong, internationally recognized ambassador for world peace visiting prominent leaders around the globe, discussing the cause of world problems, and proclaiming the good news of the world tomorrow. Ladies and gentlemen, Herbert W. Armstrong. Quite a man. I wonder if he really got to meet Maggie Thatcher, the Iron Lady. He taught commandment keeping and Sabbath keeping and feast keeping generations ago and was well on his way to unlocking prophecy. Sadly, he died in 1986 and it caused the worldwide church of God to implode. Its leadership, without knowing the parameters set and established by Yahuwah, they knew not to rightly divide the law, the word of truth. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. And they lifted their hand off the plow. Luke chapter 9, verse 62. And they led any that would follow them back down the garden path, back into mainstream Christianity, the Sunday church, and back to all the papal rites instead of keeping the Holy Sabbath and the biblical feasts. Now, I do say a few did hold fast with their convictions, and they splintered and formed what was called the Church of God congregations. But even that didn't thrive and survive, because later they fractured and they split pretty much over the same thing, a watering down of the commandments. Which ones do we actually keep and why, and which ones are putting us back under the works of the law? You see, they were taught by Herbert W. Armstrong that the law of God was a spiritual law and it was the Ten Commandments. So after he died, they were like, well, why are we keeping the biblical feasts then? And why are we keeping the dietary requirements? Because surely they're outside of the Ten Commandments and they didn't have an answer and they didn't have a leader. And the leadership led them all the way back into the papal church system. Because Herbert W. Armstrong neglected to lay out the parameters of the law of God. And that's what I want to specifically reveal to you today. You see, there are some basic truths in scripture. 
that we hold to. We hold to the Sabbath, the biblical feast days, the dietary commandments, the sacred name, Yahuwah. It's time for us to dig deeper and discover the Malkitzedic calling. The Malkitzedic priesthood is what is coming forth in this generation. And it can be a key to many of you that were with Herbert W. Armstrong and the Worldwide Church of God. Maybe you've gone back to church. Maybe you lost your faith. But I want you to get hold of your conviction and creed once more. Because those who are the remnant of her seed are still out there and they are the people which keep the commandments of Yahuwah and have the testimony of Yahushua the Messiah spoken of in Revelation 12 verse 17. Now Herbert W. Armstrong, I believe he was, he was before his time. He began something that was so special but he didn't have the final key to unlock the commands of Yahweh. The key to unlocking all those no law and pro-law verses that we find in the New Testament, where on one hand Paul says in Romans 3 verse 31, do we then make void the law through faith? Well, God forbid, yea, we establish the law. Sounds pretty pro-law to me, but then Paul seemingly, and I do mean seemingly, contradicts himself in Galatians 2.16 where he talks about the works of the law. Now, this is the thing that Herbert Armstrong knew that we were not to keep, and he was right, but he didn't identify what exactly the works of the law are. Today, I'm going to reveal to you that the works of the law are, in fact, none other than the book of the law. And I'm going to demonstrate to you and show you through Scripture that there is a book of the law, book of the covenant dichotomy that the book of the covenant is for the commandment-keeping saints of Yahuwah. And the book of the law was imposed. It's the works of the law that we are not to do that was the schoolmaster that was imposed at the golden calf breach until the time of reformation. But I'm getting ahead of myself. You see, the key to prophecy is the Malkitzedic priesthood and the book of the covenant book of the law dichotomy. Herbert W. Armstrong, he was frustrated with how few people understood the Bible prophecies about a return to Sabbath keeping, feast keeping, and doing our Father's commandments. He was just as tired as you and I are of all the church rhetoric. You know, all the stuff we hear, well, Jesus died and he nailed the the law to the cross, and we're not under law, we're under grace, etc., etc. How many times have we heard that? But why do, does no one seem to understand prophecy? Why is it that the churches do not understand Bible prophecies? Why do the theologians not understand Bible prophecies? Let the Bible tell you in the 111th Psalm and verse 10, it says, the fear of the eternal is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all they that do his commandments. But the churches say the commandments were done away. They say that Jesus nailed them to the cross. They say that we're not under the law, but under grace. And the law of God is a spiritual law that tells you how to live.
The law of Yahweh is a spiritual law that tells you how to live. He was so close yet so far. That's progressive revelation. That's what I'm talking about. In the reality, the law of Yahweh is the royal law, James 2a. And the royal law then must be kingly, which it means it's for a kingdom. Yes, exactly. That leads us to 1 Peter chapter 2. Verse 9, for ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness to this marvellous light, which then ties in with Exodus 19, verse 6. And ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. You see, the key Mr. Armstrong lacked due to the limitation of progressive revelation, the key that he needed to unlock the door and keep the worldwide church of God together after his death was not that the law of Yahweh is a spiritual law that tells you how to live, but that the law of Yahweh is the book of the covenant law given to preserve the Malkitzedic priests until the coming of Messiah. You see, in Exodus chapter 24, verse 7, Moshe took the book of the covenant and read it in the audience of that Malkitzedic kingdom of priests, and they said, all that Yahweh has said, we will do and be obedient. This is our example and set as Yahusha is our Malkitzedic high priest, who kept our father's commandments. Then we, as his priesthood, should do the very same thing, shouldn't we not? And keep his commandments as priests? What he said, he said, I have kept my father's commandments. He said he'd set us an example that we should do as he did and keep the commandments also. The Bible everywhere says we must keep the commandments of God. And yet the churches today, the theologians, are trying to tell you, you don't need to keep the commandments of God, just believe on Christ. It's more than just believing. So what hadn't been revealed to Herbert W. Armstrong was the book of the law, the book of the law and book of the covenant dichotomy. Oh yeah, he was so close. I mean, he skirted, you can see, he skirted around the edges of it because he was no doubt getting some serious prophetic revelation, but the connections, they just weren't made and the, the covenant parameters, they just weren't established. And this, this brethren, is the sole reason for the breaking up of the worldwide church of God after his death in 1986. No revelation of the reason and function for the agreed to law of God, the book of the covenant, and no revelation of the reason and function of the imposed, not agreed to book of the law, which is the works of the law. You see, both of them are the law of Moses, but one is Yahweh's perfect will, it's royal and it's kingly, and the other is his permissive will. It's a schoolmaster, temporarily in place until the time of reformation when the seed would come. Deuteronomy, and it came to pass when Moses had made an end of writing the words of this law in a book. Now, this is the law of Moses. 
This had to do with the sacrifices, the meat and drink offerings, and the works of the law. He had made an end of writing that in a book. Now, the Ten Commandments were written by the divine God on tables of stone that are enduring. This law was written by the human Moses in a book that was perishable. And he wrote it in a book until they were finished. Then Moses commanded the Levites, who were the ministers of that day, which bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord, saying, Take this book of the law, that was the law of Moses, the ergon of the law, and put it in the side of the ark. That's outside of the ark, but in its side. But outside of the ark of the covenant of the Lord God, that it may be there for a witness against you. So you see, the Ten Commandments are a law of God. They were put in the ark under the very mercy seat which represented on earth the throne of God in heaven. But the law of Moses, the rituals, the physical law, which were done away in Christ and by the coming of the Holy Spirit, they were put outside of the ark. No, no wonder that those who uh, reject the commandments of God cannot understand biblical prophecy. They simply reject the commandments of God. Mr. Armstrong knew the book of the law was the law of Moses. Yes, he knew that it involved the sacrifice and the meat and drink offerings. He knew that it was the works of the law. He knew it was perishable, i.e. temporary. He knew it pertained to a different priesthood, the Levites, instead of a kingdom of priests, plural. It was limited. It was perishable. After the golden calf breach, they ended up with a kingdom with a priest instead of being a kingdom of Malkizedic priests. The kingdom of Malkizedic priests was under the book of the covenant. But then at the golden calf breach, that kingdom was cut. And what happened is they were made a kingdom with a Levitical high priest with an imposed book of the law, schoolmaster, the works of the law, until the Messiah would come and do the work of reformation and restoration. Now, this is what is amazing, because Mr. Armstrong knew the book of the law was separate and distinct from what was given in Exodus 19.4 through 24.11. He knew the book of the law belonged outside the ark in a pocket. He knew it was a witness against the children of Israel. Herbert W. Armstrong, though, he limited the law of God to the Ten Commandments. And that, my friends, is why the worldwide Church of God collapsed after his death. Because everyone knew that they were keeping some of the commandments outside of the Ten specifically the biblical feasts and the dietary requirements. So after he died, they couldn't reconcile with the commandments keeping like the feasts and dietary requirements with the ten and what was works of the law and what was the law of God. But the good news, brethren, is the book of the covenant is what is for us. And it contained within the book of the covenant are the biblical feasts, the dietary requirements, the Ten Commandments, 
And that is what we find. The Sabbaths are involved with and in the Book of the Covenant. Whereas all of the Levitical bloodletting and all of those laws were imposed are the works of the law, which Mr. Armstrong was correct. That is not for us. But he didn't identify the distinction and the Book of the Law, Book of the Covenant, died. He knew way more, but his predecessors, excuse me, knew far less. And that is what caused the split. The mystery of the Melchizedek is that it is the book of the covenant that was given at Mount Sinai. And it was the commandments for the Melchizedek kingdom of priests. Hebrews 7.11 testifies to that fact. If therefore perfection were by the Levitical priesthood, for under it the people received the law. What further need was there that another priest should rise after the order of Melchizedek and not be called after the order of Aaron? For the priesthood being changed, there is made a necessity, a change also of the law. You see, the whole law, it's not viable for us. And Mr. Herbert, W. Armstrong, he knew this. He knew there was a change also of the law. He knew it. Not to no law like the church, but not to all law, as in with the sacrifices and the Levitical hierarchy, the works of the law. All nations do. Now, they had a system of law of statutes and judgments. You find that in the Old Testament, back in Leviticus and and in Deuteronomy and other books of Moses, the statutes and judgments were the civil laws of the nation Israel. They were based on the Ten Commandments. They're not in force and effect today because we're in another nation and we are subject to the laws of the nation in which we live today as we're commanded in the New Testament. Also, Israel was known as a congregation or church. Now, congregation and church mean the same thing. So instead of calling it the Church of Israel, they were called the Congregation of Israel. And as a church, they also had certain ritualistic laws. They were various ceremonies, meat and drink offerings, various washings, and things of that kind, all physical labor. And there were things that they had to do morning, noon, and night. Now, they had also animal sacrifices. The animal sacrifices were simply a substitute for the blood of Jesus Christ, who was to come later. They couldn't have the Holy Spirit, and so they were given the rituals, things to do morning, noon, and night, to work out in them the habit of obedience. Today, under Christ, we have the Holy Spirit to give us the love of God to fulfill his law the Holy Spirit to give us God's righteousness. They didn't have that. And so people confuse the law of Moses, the works of the law, and that's what it's talking about in Galatians, and people simply confuse that, and they don't seem to know the difference. Now, in Romans 7, 14, the God's law was a spiritual law. It has only to do with our relationship with God and our relationship toward our neighbors, our attitude toward them.
how we feel toward them, whether it's cooperation or whether it's hostility and envy and jealousy and competition and strife. And that's what we do have in the world, of course. Back in Deuteronomy 10 and verse 5, I would like to read that to you. It's what Moses is writing. He said, and I turned myself. He had just received the Ten Commandments in a table of stone, which God had written on his own with his own finger. I turned myself and came down. He came down from the mount where he had received the Ten Commandments and put the tables, the tables of the Ten Commandments, in the ark, inside of the ark, which I had made, and there they be as the Lord commanded. Now also I'd like to read you from Deuteronomy. Herbert W. Armstrong knew that the church was established by Yahuwah back in the Old Testament. It was the church, the ecclesia, the kahal that was on the mountain. We are Israel, Galatians 6 verse 16, and the promises for us are found in Ephesians 2.12 because in the Old Testament, after the golden calf breach, we were without them which made us aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, which was given the book of the covenant at the mountain. We were under the book of the law later, and when we were under it, we became strangers from the book of the covenant, which is the covenant of promises, having no hope and without Elohim in the world. Herbert W. Armstrong knew the statutes and judgments were a different law. He knew that they weren't for us. But it wasn't the civil law or moral law or any of those non-specific man-made terms which couldn't endure after his death. It is the book of the law specifically that was added after the sin of the golden calf, which is not for us. If Herbert W. Armstrong had had the revelation of the book of the covenant, Yahweh's law that is for us, and it is all the law from Genesis 1 through Exodus 24, 12, then there would never have been a massive falling away after his death. The ritualistic laws, the meat and drink offerings, the physical labor and the animal sacrifices, which were a temporary schoolmaster, a substitute for the blood of Yahusha to the work out the habit of obedience. Yes, the works of the law are the book of the law that were added after the golden calf breach. The schoolmaster, a temporary enactment until Yahushua could bring in the better hope and return us to be a kingdom of Malchizedek priests, Second Peter, and we would be that holy nation ushered back under the blessings of the law in covenant called the Book of the Covenant, specifically all the commandments of the law of Moses from Genesis 1.1 to Exodus 24, 11, where the book of the covenant was blood ratified and sealed, and there was a covenant confirming meal by the elders of Israel. And within that law is the holy and spiritual things of Yahweh, his Sabbaths, his feasts and festivals, and his dietary requirements. And outside of that law is another law that is not for us, and that is the works of the law the book of the law, 
Mr. Armstrong was before his time. And it came to pass when Moses had made an end of writing the words of this law in a book. Now, this is the law of Moses. This had to do with the sacrifices, the meat and drink offerings, and the works of the law. He had made an end of writing that in a book. Now, the Ten Commandments were written by the divine God on tables of stone that are enduring. This law was written by the human Moses in a book that was perishable. And he wrote it in a book until they were finished. Then Moses commanded the Levites, who were the ministers of that day, which bear the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, saying, Take this book of the law. That was the law of Moses, the ergon of the law and put it in the side of the ark. That's outside of the ark, but in its side. But outside of the ark of the covenant of the Lord God, that it may be there for a witness against you. So you see, the Ten Commandments are a law of God. They were put in the ark under the very mercy seat which represented on earth the throne of God in heaven. But the law of Moses, the rituals, the physical law, which were done away in Christ and by the coming of the Holy Spirit, they were put outside of the ark. No, no wonder that those who uh, reject the commandments of God cannot understand biblical prophecy. They simply reject the commandments of God. So how does all this pan out? Well, look, in Genesis chapter 12, Yahweh came to Abraham. He appeared to Abraham and he made an unconditional covenant to Abraham. All the blessings and promises. This was right here, the Melchizedek covenant of promises, which is spoken about in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 12. Okay, but what happened is that Abraham went away, he thought about it, and he's like, well, how do I really know that I'm going to inherit these promises? So he had a lack of faith, and he went back to Yahuwah. Now, in Genesis 15, it records that Yahuwah then, because of his lack of faith, he says, well, look, if you go over there and slay open these animals and flay them open, then I'll walk, or my son will walk as a burning torch and a smoking oven between the pieces. Now, this is a conditional arm to the covenant, okay? It's a conditional arm to the Genesis 12 unconditional covenant because you had a lack of faith and you needed to see with your eyes. But there is a requirement now because of this conditional arm. If you break the covenant or your descendants break the covenant, somebody's going to have to die. And that's the flaying open of the pieces. So now this happens, and it is ratified by Yahweh walking through as a burning torch and a smoking oven. Now, you fast forward 430 years, you'll notice, and you'll get to Exodus chapter 19, the newly freed Israel. They are a kingdom of priests, a royal priesthood, and a holy nation, at the mountain in Exodus chapter 19, and they receive the book of the covenant. This is the promise that was given to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12. It is everything that is being fulfilled 430 years later to the newly freed people. They are going to be a kingdom of priests unto Yahuwah, 
and a holy nation. Yahuwah proposes to them. He, he proposes all the things that he did and reminds them, and they accept his proposal of marriage and said, all that Yahuwah has said we will do. He then, through Moshe, blood ratifies the book of the covenant, seals it, and the elders of Israel, the 70 elders, go up in Exodus 24, and they have a covenant-confirming meal. Exodus 24, verse 11, this now is the conclusion of the book of the covenant. Paul tells us through the Galatians, when he was writing to the Galatians, once a covenant is sealed, you cannot enter or add to it, meaning that now from Exodus 24, 11, if any law happens to come by, it cannot be part of the book of the covenant because the book of the covenant was a covenant law given to Israel at the mountain. It is specific that it was blood ratified in Exodus 24, 11, and therefore confirmed with a covenant confirming meal, it is set. What we find now, is the narrative progresses in the Torah. And we find within 40 days, Israel is sinning and a whoring at the golden calf. And Yahuwah now, they have broken the book of the covenant by their whoring. Now Yahuwah is going to enact the death decree of the arm of Genesis 15. Remember the flaying open of the pieces. And he's going to enact the death decree. And he says he's going to commit genocide and slaughter the whole of Israel because they were all involved in the golden calf sin. Except, he says, Moses, you are my Malchizedek priest that was there at the mountain. You weren't down there sinning with the golden calf. I'll make out of you a new nation. That was the plan. But Moshe mediates and intercedes, and Yahweh relents, and he doesn't enact the death clause. What he enacts or imposes at this point because the book of the covenant has been broken, is he imposes a law, the book of the law, which is the schoolmaster until the time of reformation when Messiah would come and get us back into the book of the covenant, Malchizedek reality. And under this book of the law that was imposed, which is temporary, there was the ritual bloodletting, and they had a kingdom with a Levitical high priest, as opposed to themselves being a kingdom of priests under the Book of the Covenant, which was Malchizedek. So now the history of Israel is they live under the schoolmaster. Now you fast forward into the New Testament and you find in Matthew 2 that it is clearly laid out that Yahushua is a Melech, a king. Another way to say that would be a Malki, kingly. And he meets John the Baptist, Yochanan the Immerser. Now remember, the priesthood was corrupt. Caiaphas was illegitimate as a high priest and Herod was illegitimate. The whole Herodian system and Pharisaical system was a brood of vipers, a den of iniquity. The legitimate Levitical high priest was, in fact, John the Baptist. He meets Yahushua, who comes to him as a king, a Malki, and he says, Yahushua says to John, 
he said, it is fitting that you baptize me, you mit for me, thus fulfilling all righteousness. Zadakar in the Hebrew, Zadik. Yahusha goes into the water, a Malki, and he comes out of the water, a Malki Zedek. This now inaugurates the transference, Hebrews 7.11, of the priesthood from John Levitical to Yahusha, higher and better, the Malki Zedek priesthood. The old priesthood is abolished and done away with, Hebrews speaks about that specifically, and the new is ushered in. This isn't an Old Testament, New Testament, the law of Moses versus the New Testament. This is a priesthood transference. Yahushua now paves the way to pay his death penalty price. He stands before Caiaphas. Caiaphas, who was an illegitimate high priest of the order of Levi, rends his garment, therefore nullifying his priesthood of Levi, a double confirmation witness. And Yahushua, as the reigning Melchizedek high priest, ordained by John the Baptist, the current Levitical high priest at the time, Yahushua now stands before Caiaphas, and he now is the only legitimate high priest in Israel to officiate over the Passover that year, because Caiaphas just rend his garment and disannulled his priesthood. So Yahushua is the sacrificial lamb that is slaughtered at the Passover, the lamb slain before the foundations of the world, but he is also the Kohen Haggadah, the high priest that officiates over his sacrifice. And by thus doing, he then pays the death penalty price for all transgression and sin, including the golden calf breach, he fulfills the requirement of the death penalty arm covenant of Genesis 15, which was a conditional arm attached. And by thus doing, he transfers us back to the promises of Genesis 12, the oath sworn covenant promise of the Melchizedek. He ushers in the book of the covenant promises for his kingdom of priests. We're no longer under the schoolmaster, the book of the law. We are now under the Melchizedek royal priesthood. This is the time and season for you and I. Galatians 2 verse 21. For if righteousness comes by the law, the book of the law, Galatians 3.10 and Hebrews 7.11, then Messiah died in vain. Hebrews 7.16, Melchizedek is made not after the law of a carnal commandment. And Hebrews 7.18, there is verily a disannulling of the commandment going before for the weakness and unprofitableness thereof. For the law made nothing perfect, but the bringing in of a better hope did. The book of the law made nothing perfect. The book of the law didn't make the Torah perfect. It was permissive. 
bringing in the better hope of the book of the covenant did bring back perfection. 2 Corinthians 3.11, it is written, For if that which is done away with was glorious, much more that which remains is glorious. The book of the law was done away with. It was glorious because it was better than death, but that which remains, the Genesis 12 oath covenant, is more glorious, seeing then that we have such a hope now because we use great plainness of speech, trying to make this as clear for you today as I can, and that not as Moses, which put a veil over his face, that the children of Israel could not steadfastly look to the end of that which is abolished. Hebrews 10.1 through verse 10 explains that clearly. clearly. The book of the law has been abolished. The Levitical priesthood abolished. We are brought into the better hope of the book of the covenant. Galatians 3.19 Wherefore then serveth the law? The book of the law, verse 10 of Galatians 3, it was added because of transgressions till the seed should come whom the promises was made. You see, it speaks even more in Hebrews 9.10, which stood only in meats and drinks and diverse washings and carnal ordinances that were imposed on them until the time of reformation. Specifically, the book of the law was imposed upon Israel until the time of messianic restoration. In Acts chapter 3 verse 21, it says that it was until the times of restitution of all things, spoken of in verse 12 of Peter. You see, the mystery of Melchizedek is to keep the book of the covenant commandments, not the book of the law commandments, which were the schoolmaster. Herbert W. Armstrong was tired of all the church no-law lies, and I'm tired of all the church no-law lies. But to tell you the truth, I'm also tired of the messianic movement's all-law lies. You see, the messianic movement stepped in to fill the vacuum after Herbert W. Armstrong's death, but they make no-law division and insist on you keeping all of the law, and then they just turn their face towards Judaism, the state of Israel, and the Zionist system of rabbinics. And they all dance and rally around the star of Ramfam without even seeing what they're doing. They're setting you up for the synagogue of Satan. That's what they're doing. It's a counterfeit of no law division. It's the do as I say, not what as I do theology. For they say they keep the whole law, but you and I know that they don't. They giddily look forward to diminishing the work of Messiah and starting the ritual bloodletting again. But only, of course, once the synagogue of Satan sets it up for them to participate in as second-class citizens. It stinks like a felty fish to me. And it should, and it should to you too, because in James chapter 2, verse 10, it is written, For whosoever shall keep the entire law, the book of the law, and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of it all. Because that's where all the curses are, in the book of the law.
there's only one limited family curse in the Book of the Covenant. You see, Mr. Armstrong wouldn't put up with all this nonsense, and I'm not putting up with it either, and neither should you anymore. Mr. Armstrong would never have agreed to the Messianic movement's doctrines of deceit of all law, all Torah, and he would never have agreed to you or I taking our hand off the plow and going back into the pagan church. He knew in part the Malkitzedic revelation. He knew there was a law division. But what was in the covenant and what was without the book of the law, he did not quite grasp fully. But it's more than just the Ten Commandments, you see. It's the Malkitzedic book of the covenant reality that comes to you today through this ministry, Torah to the tribes. If we keep his commandments, specifically the Book of the Covenant commandments, we're where Mr. Armstrong would want us to be, in truth, far, far away from the synagogue of Satan liars. Hereby do we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. He that says, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. My friends, that's pretty strong. And that's in your Bible, near the end of the New Testament. He that says, I know him, I believe on him, but I don't keep his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him.